I'm Lisa Stone, and you are listening to Season 8 of Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 8 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and if you are listening to this on Tuesday, I am likely in the air on my way back to New York for the U.S. Open, and I'll be covering the U.S. Open junior event there and maybe catching some of the adult matches, the regular U.S. Open matches in between the juniors. But in this week's podcast, I chat again with Coach Todd Whittem, who those of you who have been listening for a while are very familiar with Todd. One of Todd's players, Ronnie Homan, is in the U.S. Open Juniors this year. And unfortunately, Ronnie lost his first round singles match, but he is playing doubles. And I'm hoping to get to watch him and finally meet him and his lovely parents in person as they have all been on the podcast in the past. And so that'll be super fun. But in the meantime, if you haven't already, please go to our Patreon page, and that is patreon.com slash parenting aces. There is a link in the show notes to it and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. I want to give a shout out to our very first Patreon patron, Wayne Nelms. Wayne, thank you so much for your support and for helping us be able to continue to bring these podcasts and other hopefully valuable content to the parenting aces community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Parenting Aces with Todd Whittem. Well, Todd Whittem, it is only fitting that we do a show during the U.S. Open since one of your players is prepping for U.S. Open juniors. And by the time this airs, I guess he probably will have already played, but we are recording the week before. So listeners, bear with us as we are going to be talking about what's coming, although it may have already happened. Well, thanks, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me on the show once again. And we have some great topics to be discussed. Absolutely. And I want to just share publicly, I already shared this with you privately, Todd, but when I was at the WTCA conference last week, I met a young coach who When he found out I was the woman who always has Todd Whittem on her podcast, he was very excited to meet me and tell me how much he admires what you're doing and how much he models his own coaching off what he's learned from our podcast together. So there you go. Well, that's, that's obviously very positive and and flattering and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great thing that people are listening and maybe applying some of the concepts that, that I try to apply each and every day with my students. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, it made me feel great. So um, I, I felt like, well, that's good. He's modeling after you. That means there's going to be another really high level junior coach out there working with our children. So <laughs> that's always a good thing. Um, so one of your kids, Ronnie Homan, who won Easter Bowl this year after being not seated, actually coming through qualies, um, won the whole tournament as like this kid that everybody's like, huh, who Ronnie, who, and beats the whole field, wins the tournament. He is, as we speak in New York, getting ready to play the U S open junior event, which starts, uh, next week. And so I thought it would be really interesting to talk about 
how you as a coach get a player ready to play one of these big events. U.S. Open Juniors, obviously one of the four junior slams that we have each year, and the cream of the crop in junior tennis typically are playing these events. What makes it different? What does the training look like from a mental side and a physical side? And how do you get a kid ready? Well, Lisa, I wouldn't say that his training has really changed. Um, throughout the summer months, he's he's had some amazing opportunities. Uh, be, because he won the Easter Bowl, he was able to choose a, a challenger, which for the viewers that are listening, that that's a, it would be con- considered a triple-A uh, AAA level of, of tennis if you're comparing it to baseball. Um, so he went off with Taylor to Lexington, Kentucky, and, uh, and unfortunately he lost in the first round. And, but it's definitely understandable for the first time and, and playing players at that level in, in a pro event. But he got a lot of unbelievable experience and practices with, with, with some of the world's best players. And so that was that was incredible. And well, um, let me interrupt you one second, Todd, because I, you know I think it's really cool that he stayed up there after he lost. And let's be clear that at the challenger level, there is no backdraw. So once you lose okay. your match, you are out of the tournament. Um, but Ronnie stuck around and and acted as a hitting partner. I'm assuming for some of the other guys still in the event. Is that what happened? Absolutely. You you have to, you know, that, that was the goal the whole way through with, with Pierre and I. It was actually a lot of my upbringing of tennis from when, not only when I was starting to play pro tennis, but also my upbringing of tennis when I was a young, young child was you're going to play with anyone and everyone. You're going to get experience playing with all different types of players, all different types of levels. And so that particular week was, was, just about Ronnie experiencing a much higher level of tennis that, that he than he was accustomed to, and uh, and so the goal was, however however he did in the in the tournament, he was going to stick it out the whole week and and be a practice partner, hitting partner, sparring partner, whatever you want to call it. He was going to stay out there and get as much great experience as he could with with these amazing players. Yeah, I love that idea. And, you know, it's we should point out to the listeners who aren't familiar with the challenger circuit, a lot of the players who are playing at that level, they are not making the big bucks a la Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. They cannot afford to travel with a coach all the time or travel with a hitting partner all the time. And so they are so grateful to have somebody like Ronnie stick around and be willing to warm them up for matches, be willing to hit with them in the off days, whatever they need. That, that, is, that is correct. In fact, I was one of those players for six years on, on the tour. Uh, I was able to play some really amazing events on the ATP tour, but most of my career was spent in that AAA baseball slash tennis level. And uh, I can tell you all about pinching pennies and, 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 it, and not having a glamorous lifestyle at that level. And, uh, but as a junior, it's a tremendous, tremendous experience to be playing and, and sharing the court with, with these very fine players that, that will break through at some point to play on the ATP tour. And, and it's just, it's really amazing for, for a youngster. It's really a dream come true, even though it's not the highest level of tennis, but to share the court with these players, it's, it's a very exciting time for, for a youngster who's coming out of junior tennis. 
Well, and I mean, you say it's not the highest level of tennis. However, the margins, once you hit the challenger level, moving into the ATP tour level, the differences between skills in in those two aspects of professional tennis are very slim. I mean, it's for the for a layperson watching a challenger tournament and then going to an ATP tour event, they would see very little difference in the level of play out there, right? Well, of course, I I, I lived it for for those six years. Yeah, and I can I can tell you many times when I got to the ATP level, I was beating ATP players. So when you know when when I was obviously able to qualify in and, and be able to play in the main draws, mm-hmm. what separates maybe the the challenger player for, from an ATP level player is as many times one or two points per set. That's how close it is. Yeah. So if you if you miss a ball by a little bit or your opponent comes up with a great shot on an important point, that's it. Your week could be over. <laughs> that's 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 how that's how it is on the tour. It's very tough. Sure. Okay. So for, let's get back to Ronnie. So Ronnie goes to Lexington. He, he plays his first round match. Um, he doesn't win that one, but he sticks around and, and trains and hits with the other players that are still in the event. And what happened after that event was over? What did the rest of his summer look like in preparation? And I know you say he didn't prepare specifically for us open juniors, but maybe this is the culmination of his summer. Yeah, so Ronnie, from there, he went on to Kalamazoo to play the Super National Hard Courts. Um, he didn't. He didn't have his best tournament. Uh, I believe he lost either. I think it was the round of thirty-two to uh, to a pretty top seed. I think a top ten seed. Uh, it wasn't wasn't his. You know, he, didn't, he didn't perform his best at Kalamazoo. Um, then Kalamazoo came to came to a close, and he took a couple of days off to rest and recover, and to start getting ready for for the U.S. Open Juniors. And so he started working really hard. Um, I, I put some clips out on Instagram and Facebook of, uh, of Ronnie training, as well as the other students that, that I train. But um, Ronnie's a pretty lucky kid. <laughs> we, we know this. So, so one, of, one of my former training partners, um, this, this, this man, Daniel Yu, who's a couple years younger than me, that also trained under Pierre. Um, he played under the U.S., um, as as a junior, and he won super national clay courts in the 18s, and he was a top five player, and he got to about 320 on the tour on the ATP tour. He just so happened to come back into Florida for a couple of weeks, so he's been helping me with running. And so you'll see a lot of those, a lot of clips of training and and working on specific things with Ronnie, trying to get him not only ready for the U.S. Open juniors, but to get ready for about six to seven professional events that he's going to play after the U.S. Open Juniors and then transition into college tennis in January. Okay. And so coming off of, uh, I would say he was probably disappointed in his results at Kalamazoo having won Easter Bowl. I'm sure he had much higher expectations for himself going into hard courts. How do you help him kind of set that aside and say, okay, that tournament's over time to focus on the next event because that's tennis, right? You got to have a short memory. Yeah. Welcome to life. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you know, but, Ronnie but is not going to win every single tournament. I don't care how well I train him. He's, he's still a very, very young man and he's, and he's maturing mentally and physically by the day. And so all of these experiences, whether they're positive or maybe not so positive, 
they go into the memory bank and you learn and you, and you, and you keep plugging along and, and, and that, that's really the process. But in term in terms of, of him, you know, he, he has a, he has a very long road ahead of him. His career is really just starting now. If you want, if you really want to know my, my opinion about it, um, you know, he, uh, he's going to go have a, hopefully a great tournament at the U S open juniors, learn, learn a lot and, and experience, you know, a great atmosphere and all his family and friends. He's, he's originally from New York for, for the viewers that don't know. So it's going to be, there's going to be so many people coming out there to support him and it'll be a very exciting time, but a very stressful week for him. And so it'll be very interesting to see how he handles it. And, um, and so, but then after the, the junior U.S. Open, he needs to really start rocking and rolling because he's going to hopefully be a big time contributor for the LSU men's tennis program. And that starts in January. So not only tennis wise, but also physically and, and emotionally, he has to be in a great in a great state for when he walks through the door to, to represent that university starting in January. Right. OK, so interestingly, the fact that he's from New York, I, I don't know why I forgot that, but I forgot that. And it, when I'm listening to you say that, it reminds me of Noah Rubin and Jamie Loeb, both on the pro tour, Noah on the men's side, Jamie on the women's side, talking about how stressful the U.S. Open is for them. Because <laughs> with a lot of their friends and family, that's the only time those people watch them play tennis, right? Because they are not playing TV matches <laughs> necessarily. They are right. typically on outer courts or they're playing on at the lower level events. And so for their local friends and family in New York, there are a lot of expectations. Does Ronnie feel some of that? Like, oh my gosh, these people haven't seen me play since I was a little kid. And, you know, they know I won Easter Bowl and, you know, is there extra pressure on him because of that? Um, I would say no. And I'm going to tell you why. And, and, and for the viewers that don't really know him, Ronnie's whole thing about tennis is that he's a showman. He loves Monfils. He even, even though I don't love him, but he loves Nick Kyrgios. He loves the show. I've always told him you're Broadway Ron from New York. <laughs> so, so he's, 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 looking to put on an amazing show. He's going to see people he haven't, he hasn't seen in a long time. He's obviously going to fight hard and, and try to play his best match. But, um, but he loves, he loves the show. So when he enters the arena, whether it's at the U S open or in college tennis and people are watching him and they have eyes on him, that's when he plays his best tennis. And so that's why he's been able to play really well in some incredibly big events as a junior and be able to take those titles he gets very excited for those moments and that that brings out his best tennis and uh and that's just ronnie it's in his blood it's not the way that i was i i tried to, to play my best tennis whether there was one person watching or a couple thousand but uh but that's just him so you know we love him for it and we understand how how he works and uh and and, and that's him well, so Pierre is in New York with him and, or will be by the time this airs, getting him ready for his matches. Will this be something they discuss? The fact that, you know, he's going to have a crowd around him with some expectations and how do, how is he going to manage those expectations from the mental side of his game? Well, will they talk sure. about well, that? Absolutely. So you're, you're going to try to separate 
business and 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 the and the outside stuff going on. So the business is when you're on the court, it's all business, right? And then when you're off the court, hey, it's time to you know have fun with your friends and your family. And Ronnie is coming home to New York. He's been living in Florida for the last four or five years, and so a lot of people are very excited for him, and and he's very excited. Um, but one thing is between the lines on the court, and then another thing is off the court. So you know that you just as, as you're learning, and I'm sure Pierre is gonna gonna coach him and, and verbalize to him, you know how to how to separate these two things. It may be difficult for him, which is okay. It's just another experience. I mean, you know, this is just one little step in 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 his tennis career, playing playing this tennis tournament, and uh, hopefully one day he plays in in the real in the big U.S. Open for the men, you know on the men's side. But um, in terms of in terms of this tournament, it's just a great bonus for him having a fantastic junior career, and this is actually going to be his last junior event that he plays. So he should go out and have a great time and and and. Have really have a have a great time with, with the experience and uh, and and see what happens and, and that's really it. And so once the U.S. Open juniors are over and he is right now he's in the singles draw he's hoping to get a wild card spot in the doubles draw is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, with the Kalamazoo um, singles champion. Yes. Fantastic. So he'll have singles and hopefully doubles and which hopefully means I get to see him play. <laughs> I'm really hoping I get to see him play and meet him in person finally. Um, right. But once the U.S. Open Juniors is finished, his classmates, and, and I know he graduated early from high school, but he is considered class of 2019. Most of his classmates will have already started their fall semester in college. Ronnie has opted to take the fall off and start in January. What will his calendar look like between mid-September and the end of the year? Sure. Well, He's going to play about, I believe the schedule is about six or seven professional events. He's going to try to get as much great practice with professional players as he can, whether it's warming them up or training with them on the road, whatever he can do, that, that's, that's what he's going to try to do because that's the level of tennis that he's going to play in college. And so what, what Pierre and I are always monitoring with him is how stable his level is day in and day out. So the level of tennis that he's going to go go and play against in college, especially in the SEC, which is a, an incredible conference, is he's probably going to need to play consistently at a four to 500 ATP level ranking-wise. And so when he was 16, he was already competing with, with players at that level and, and, and beating some and also losing and having great performances and maybe not such great performances. But he was able to play at that level at that age. Now, how consistent are you able to play at that level? And if you're really able to dominate, then we may have a discussion about professional tennis. But until you could, you can do that consistently day in and day out, you know, you're that you're a college player. And mm-hmm. uh, then you have to prove yourself to be able to really beat up on, on the college players and then have an amazing record and, and dominate and maybe, have a chance to win NCAAs as one of the top players in the country. And then you can talk about professional tennis and moving on to the next level. 
So you mentioned he has a few professional events this fall. Will he stay in the States or is he going to be traveling? He's going to, he's going to move. He's going to mainly stay here. Um, it's just, it's just easier. Um, so, so he'll, he'll stay here in the States. Okay. So that provides kind of an opening to this next topic that I'd love to talk about with you, which is the notion. Um, and we have discussed this before, whether kids should be playing ITF events or how they should be spending their, their resources, how families should be spending their resources. And as you told me before we started recording today, Todd, Ronnie and Zach, the Kalamazoo champion, between them have played four ITF tournaments in total for the two of them. So our Easter Bowl champion and our Kalamazoo champion, both of whom are playing U.S. Open juniors. Zach, also our Kalamazoo champion, also got a wild card into the, the big boy U.S. Open, where he had quite a battle in his first match. Um, between them, they've only played four ITF events. So what does that tell us? What should we take away from that as parents with resources to allocate toward our child's tennis? Well... I believe, I don't always believe that the ITF tennis route is a great path. And, and, and I've spoken about it on, I think on previous podcasts or, or written articles for you about this as well, is that to me, junior tennis is all about development. And so if you're trying to develop into the best player that you can become, ITF tennis tournaments, they take a, away a lot of training time. And so when you're on the road and, and, and they, and they, they try to structure it like you're on the professional tour. The difference is that a, a junior player is developing so many things in their game or their bodies or, or, or mentally that they're at a much different stage than a professional player. So a professional player is a much more produced tennis player or else they wouldn't be a professional player. A junior player is trying to develop into achieving their, their goals and dreams with their tennis, whether it's maybe college or, or maybe a professional career down the road. Right. So, they are works in progress is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when, when you go off to an ITF tennis tournament, you may play one singles match. Or you, you might play a doubles match. You may lose early. If you don't go home, you have, could be five days, six days before, before you have your next event. Um, this is, to me, it's really precious training time that you're losing by going to ITF tennis tournaments. And, and, and you see, you see a lot of players with, with phenomenal ITF rankings, but then you need to look up how many events that they've played to achieve those rankings. And then where, you know, wh- where's their tennis going to take them? And, and quite honestly, there, there are players, there are very high ranked ITF tennis players that struggle in college or some even struggle to make their college lineups. So a lot of times that ranking is, is, is very misleading to, to the level of what that player is playing at. And, and I mean, let's get away from the misdevelopmental and training time. We're also talking about money spent on travel that could be allocated elsewhere, maybe to coaching or off court 
training and supplemental work that needs to be done to help your child get to their highest level, right? So, I mean, it's not just about the time missed, but also about where you're allocating your finances. Well, well, I, I agree. I mean, I, I've had plenty of parents contact me um, asking me, you know, about scheduling, or they may not know much about how to schedule their child, and maybe the the coach is is not is not scheduling them. And so, if you're going to spend money, in my opinion, if you're going to spend money, you spend it in training. Why? Because that's how you get better. To me, I see I see parents and and kids that are traveling all over the place hoping for, for great results. And, and a lot of times the results are not, are not changing. And, and if you really want to invest in your child, the improvements, they happen at home when you're training and you're working on specific things. So hopefully the kids are in a, are in a great productive environment with, with, with great coaches and coaches that care about them. And they're really working towards, towards the things that they need, that they need to work on. Um, just throwing your child out there to play tournaments and get some points and maybe win a match or two here and there. That's not development. That's point chasing and, and point chasing. It, it, it really does not do much at all. And I will say, you know, when my son was in juniors, um, I remember he asked to play an ITF event and, you know, we're living in Georgia and the ITF event is in Texas and, it was at that point, it was going to be the furthest that we were going to travel for a tennis tournament for him. And it was, you know, a big decision. Do we spend the money? Do we go? Do we send a coach with him? How do we handle it? But we were all on the same page that this was about having the experience of playing a different group of players, going to Texas, playing against some kids from other countries, it was just to kind of see where he was and, you know, to, for him to be able to say, okay, I've played an ITF tournament. I see what the level is there. Here are the things now that I need to go home and work on so that I am competitive at that level. And it wasn't necessarily the on-court stuff as much as it was the off court, uh, the mental side of it, because, you know, it kind of got in his head. I'm playing this kid from Mexico. He must be way better than me, you know, (laughs) because he's from another country, which wasn't necessarily the case, but, um, it was just, it was a very eye opening experience for all of us, for his coach, for my son and for us as his parents. And he only played one other ITF event that, was in Atlanta. And, you know, we made the decision after the Texas trip that, Hey, you know, this is, this is not necessary. This is not going to help him get where he wants to be in terms of college. And so, you know, we didn't do it again, but it, I, I will say, I think it was a positive experience overall, even though in the moment it was frustrating, you know, because his performance just wasn't as expected, but Hey, you know, it's, it was one event and, and we were glad we did it. I do know plenty of his peers that spent gobs and gobs of money, gobs and gobs of time traveling all over the world to play comparable levels of opponents that he faced in Texas and in Atlanta um, and wound up at similar college programs to my son because you know, like you said, it was time away from their development. So 
kind of interesting to look at. Right. You know, but, but your son, he played one or two events. I'm looking at, I'm looking at schedules where I'm seeing kids play 20 or 25 per year. Right. Which that, that, that's, that's a pro schedule. My, my pro schedule was 30 tournaments a year. It was three tournaments a month and one week off to train. But I was a highly produced player. By the time I turned pro, I was ready to become a professional player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and, and that scheduling was what, what was best for me. We knew that by the time I finished my third week, many times I was tired. I needed to come home and rest and recover and train again and get ready to get back out on the road. But that's what was best for me. Each and every individual is different. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's important, but as a coach, I'm always thinking of how players can become better each and every day. And so if a child, and, and many times what I'm seeing is if, 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 a, if a child is really hitting their stride and playing great tennis at say 15 or 16 years old, and they're doing really well in their sectionals and their nationals. I would invest the money, quite honestly. I'd invest it in pro tennis and playing adults because you basically have two years. If you're 16, you have two years to play that type of level of tennis in college. And so you can get that, you can get that great experience in playing low-level professional events and get a little bit of a head start and really gauge and see how well you match up against men and women. And so that, that's, that's the way that I was brought up. And, and that's, that's the path that I took with Pierre. Um, and it was, and it was great because the second I was able to prove myself at a very, very high level of, of, of national tennis in, in America, then I, I then was able to then see how, how good I could do. I could do against players much older than me, much stronger, much more developed physically and mentally and see if I could hang with them. And if I couldn't, what, what do I need to improve in the next couple of years so that I'm really ready to walk through the door in college and become a great contributor for, for my team. So with Ronnie scheduled this fall after the open, how did you find events for him? I mean, let's, let's give our listeners kind of a primer on how do you find these professional events for your child to play? Sure. Well, there, there are, you you go online and and they're 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 all throughout the country, um, and you can play in the qualifying or they even have pre qualifying events. And you search you search where you go on the ITF website. Are yeah, you, you go on the ITF? You can go on the USTA Pro Circuit area, and uh, and and find and find the scheduling of, of of professional events. So that's what we've done with Ronnie. Ronnie was in the same boat at 16 years old, testing his skills against men already. Um, I actually would have loved for him to have play, started playing these types of events earlier, but mentally he wasn't ready for that. And so I, I kind of, I kept him out of that until I really felt like he was ready to be playing uh, against the men in, in professional events. And, and not, not only that in Ronnie's case, he handles, the stresses and the pressures of, of pro tennis way differently than he handles junior tennis. And that's also something that, that, that Pierre and I have been working on with him for, for a very long time. When you play your peers versus when you're playing players that you don't have any pressure against, those are two totally different things. And so it happens 
It happens many times with with even the American kids. You see the kids do very well against foreign competition, and then they come back to the United States and they struggle in the national events. Why? Because it's now pressure with your peers. And so if you have trouble handling that pressure with your peers, you you, you might not be improving, you know, at, at, at a great rate. You may only be able to handle situations with not a lot of pressure, but you need to be able to handle everything. If you're going to become a big time athlete and tennis player, you need to be able to handle all these different situations. Let's talk about Jensen Brooksby for a minute, because that's another player you brought up when we were talking offline. And Jensen, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he won Kalamazoo two years ago and as a result got a wild card into the U.S. Open main draw, just as Zachary Svaja did. And this year, Jensen also got a wild card into the main draw and wound up beating Tomas Burdick in the first round. And um, I guess it's scheduled to play a second round today, but it's raining. So who knows if that's going to happen, but, um, but Jensen is another young player who is supposed to start college in January. He has committed to go to Baylor though. That seems to be a bit up in the air at this point, depending on how it goes at the U S open, But Todd, you pointed out to me that Jensen also has played very few ITF junior tournaments in his junior developmental years. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to go back. He he actually got a wild card into qualifying, not the main Uh, draw. That's exactly right. So sorry. He he was the sole American, sole American man to get through qualifiers this year. That's right. Um, I I wrote about that. See, I am so brain dead after (laughs) it's been a lot of tennis. That's Um, okay. Thank you you for fixing that. Yeah, that I mean, obviously that that's incredible. Uh, well, first of all, I don't know how good it is that he's the only American male that's qualifying for the main draw of the, of the U.S. Open, but it's amazing for him. <laughs> I mean, let's let's put it that way. Exactly. But it's incredible for him at his age to not only beat players basically ranked 110 to 250 in the world, but to then go out and beat a former top five player in the world in the main draw of the biggest tennis tournament in the world. That's incredible. And so he's obviously competing incredibly well. He's a very smart player. In fact, he came out to practice. There were, there were some low-level professional events here in South Florida, and he came out to practice with one of my boys uh, just for a couple hours one day. And um, he's a very, very smart player. And uh, he's going to have an interesting decision to make about whether he goes to college tennis or not. And, and he's been winning professional events. And he's showing the results that, you know, I mean, college tennis might not, might not be for him. So it's a personal decision. Depends on what he would, he would love to do, but, um, and it's a family decision, a financial decision. And there's a lot of, a lot of factors to, to, uh, to look at, but, um, but the tennis is obviously there for him to, if he wants to take it to the highest level. But I mean, let's go back to this whole idea of playing junior ITFs and the fact that, Jensen didn't play that many. That's correct. I, I actually looked at it last night because I was curious because I don't know much of his background. Um, and so I counted about 10 ITF tennis tournaments that were in the United States around the area. He did not travel far to them. And uh, and that, that was really his, his ITF tennis career. Interesting. So here's another example of a young player 
ready for the pro circuit. I mean, obviously having some success out there, some good success out there who did not spend his developmental years traveling around the world playing junior ITFs. Yeah. Because, because I think when it, when it, when it doesn't, when it becomes a matter of, of, of not developing, then the player plateaus, but the player could still be having some good results on paper but their level may plateau. And so you never want that to happen. And whether it's at this high level of, of these amazing juniors slash they're playing pro tennis now, um, you never want that to happen. A junior player should always be improving. And so when, when you're playing in a tennis tournament, that tennis tournament is, is your examination on what you need to continue to develop to get the higher levels of tennis. Your homework is the training that you do at home and your examination is your tennis tournament, whether you travel to it or it's, or it's, you know, locally in your, in your backyard. And so that's how you really develop a player. Once you start chasing points and, and, and all around the country or the globe, the development stops. Your child may get, may get experience and maybe some match play, but the the improvements they happen at home like i like i like i said earlier in the show mm-hmm. so if 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 your goal is to travel all over the place and try to buy a ranking just understand that that the development is is going to stop and so that's okay just understand what's happening um and so i wouldn't i wouldn't be concerned or upset with results at that point because you're 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 not putting in the proper training hours whether it's tactically, physically, mentally, technically, what, what, whatever the case shall be for, for each and every individual, that, but the development has, 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 has come to a stop. So, you know, that, it all depends on what, what people want. But if you take these three individuals, they did not play a lot of tennis tournaments. And I can guarantee you that they did countless hours of training. And, uh, and that, that's how they were able to get to these, these levels of, of professional tennis at, at, at a young age. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I, I think it's, it's going to be fun to watch all of these kids over the next few years. I mean, there's such great upside in all three of these young men that we've been talking about. And I'm excited to see Ronnie and Zach play at the U S open juniors. I'm excited to follow Jensen, through hopefully a few more rounds at the the main draw US Open and and then to see what happens come January with all of them, you know, whether they wind up on college campuses or wind up pursuing their professional careers sooner than planned. Um, you know, well I know for Zach, he he has already declared that he is a professional. He has already signed uh and so won't be going to college. But for Jensen and for Ronnie, um It'll be fun to see what they decide to do come January. I want to just let the listeners know I'm going to have links in the show notes to the USTA Pro Circuit tournament page as well as the ITF uh, tournament page. So if you're not familiar with how those tournaments work and how to find them and how to sign up for them. I'll have those links in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So be sure and take a look. It's similar to how Tennis Link works for our USTA junior events, but also a little different. So, um, you know, sometimes it's nice just to kind of take a glimpse and, and see what's out there. 
Todd, is there anything else you want to share with us before we bring this episode to a close? No, I think uh, I think that's about it. Uh, it's a very exciting time for for a bunch of juniors that are going on to play the U.S. Open juniors, and uh, and I wish them all the best and uh, to enjoy the experience and and go out there and fight hard against the world's best uh, amateur players. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And and to my listeners, I want to just let y'all know also that this episode is going to go live on Tuesday, September 3rd. I will be en route to New York and will be there covering the juniors that day through the end of the tournament on September 8th. So if you're going to be on site, I hope you'll let me know and we can connect. And um, if you're out there when Ronnie's playing or Zach's playing or Jensen's playing, Go cheer them on. I think it's going to be a fun a fun week of tennis. So, Todd, thanks so much for coming on again. And um, I'm hoping I'm going to get to meet Pierre finally while I'm in New York. And one of these days, you and I are going to connect in person. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but we'll make it happen one day. Absolutely. No doubt about it. <laughs> well, thanks again. And to my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. For all the information you need to navigate the junior and college tennis journey, be sure to check out parentingaces.com.